Welcome to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as Suns fans seeing LeBron James as their first round matchup. Yikes. Matt, this is why for weeks I was like, Phoenix, come on, get that top seed. You can do it. And the Jazz were able to pull it off. And now we're looking at a scary matchup where Matt, a seventh seed might be the favorite in the West. Absolutely wild, my friend. First time in my lifetime that that's happened. I can't, I feel like always the NBA playoffs are one, two, three, four, then one and, and two, and then one, like it always. Well, that's the thing, right? We're used to seeing the best teams in each conference win their way through the season, go into the playoffs, and then we're waiting for one, two, three, and then occasionally four to break through and have that final matchup. But Matt, it's going to be spicy this year, and we have a lot to talk about, my friend. But first things first. I fell flat again. The Celtics and Tatum, Tatum, man, dropping points on me. They made it through, and I was wrong once again. Dude, he must have heard you and taken that personally because he put that squad on his back. Dropped 50 points, had 17 free throws. The guy gets to the line like a machine. Oh, man, too tough to call against them, man. I mean, Kemba definitely showed up in that game, but we'll talk about that game more later. Because uh, you wanted out, Matt. You were right about those Pacers still being alive. Hey, man. They they worked their way in. They got that dub against the Charlotte Hornets and LaMelo Ball. See you, see you next year, LaMelo. You've had a great season. Um, yeah, man. Pretty excited about it. They'll face off against Washington. I still think they're going to you know maybe sneak in there. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll come back to it, Matt. I'm going to give you your time talking about the NHL. I've been paying attention to these playoffs because it's here and it's pretty exciting. Dude, I am so happy the playoffs are here in the NHL. I mean, there is still some regular season games uh, that were being played, but nobody really cares about those because they don't matter. <laughs> I mean, some people near where I live in Calgary are, you know, enjoying watching them beat Vancouver. So there's that. Yeah, to make Vancouver the worst team in the North Division. That's a shock. <laughs> but so true we'll talk about the nhl i mean covid this week there was only three players on the list all for st louis david perron nathan walker jake wallman but i mean the playoffs started last saturday and they started with some pretty good games i mean we had boston and the capitals going to overtime the playoffs started with three straight overtime games new york pittsburgh minnesota vegas that game was an absolute goaltending duel. Mark Andre Fleury at like 36, whatever how old he is, that man is a mythical creature legend because he just makes save after save, man. He's still a great pickup in that expansion draft for that team. Yeah, man. And they didn't even want him on the team last year. They had Robin Leonard come in and kind of supplant him as the number one guy. And now it's it's him again, and it's proof paying off big time that they kept him in the lineup so good for them man good for vegas they're looking like a formidable team coming out of that western conference unfortunately we still had some crazy stuff happening in the nhl with player safety first we have sam bennett in the florida tampa game absolutely running blake coleman from behind just destroys the man he got a not okay he got a one-game suspension. I know a lot of uh, Florida fans were a little upset because it felt like Ryan McDonough kind of did the same thing earlier in the game. They're completely different plays. One guy has a ton of speed. The other guy was basically standing still. Just my opinion. Yeah, you can't be doing that. Velocity matters in hockey for injuries, right? So. Oh, yeah, man. It 100% matters in every sport for injuries. The faster you're moving, the harder the impact just science anyways and, and cadre hey absolutely doing cadre things in the playoffs recently dude it's why the Leafs got rid of him man he always seems to do this in the playoffs he loses his composure and makes the wrong decision i think justin falk is leaning a little bit forward in it because he had just finished his shot he's not really prepared for the hit but cadre you gotta know what you're doing man and you gotta pull away it was brutal to see I mean, I, I watched the hit last night, and it was it was not pretty. They were both down on the ice after that impact with the amount of collision force between them. Yeah, man. But uh, 
Nathan McKinnon has that team absolutely roaring along. It looks like they're probably going to just sweep the St. Louis Blues right out of the playoffs. That kid in the in playoff form, he turns into Connor McDavid regular season form. It is wild to see. He got, what, five points last night? Just a monster. Getting points where uh, Connor McDavid himself doesn't. Oh, unfortunately, you're right, man. Those Edmonton Oilers opened up with a 4-1 loss. I mean, two empty net goals, so it was basically 2-1. But Connor Hellebuck, man, most important Connor on the ice, just absolutely (laughs) stoned Edmonton. I mean, I was reading stats about that team and how just dominant they are with McDavid on the ice and how much it just falls flat without him being there. And I mean, the, the science said that if you can keep him to one point, which he's averaged in all of their losses, Matt, from what I've heard, uh, you can do good because he's doing what, like 2.5 average points in all of their wins or something? Yeah, man, he is a monster. He runs that team. He's where their offense comes. He's a generating machine. I've said it before, and I'll continue to say it because he's a special, special player. Going from uh, one special player to another one who was not so happy last night, Ovechkin, furious with the way that that game ended. Did you see the way that uh, Ilya Samsonov just left the puck there for Craig Smith to just nice, easy tuck it into the open net? Man, you're in double OT. Everyone's getting a little tired, and that's all it takes is one moment of sleep, and boom, puck goes to the net. They get the win, and yeah, he was not happy. Ovechkin, you know, he's getting older, so he's got to have these wins when he can get them now, and he showed his frustration. Slam his stick on the bench, breaking it in half, and then giving it to the goalie as he's walking down the tunnel. I felt so bad for Ilya Samsonov because he's a pretty young guy. I think it's only like his second full season in the NHL, and he's Russian buddies with Ovechkin, but not in that moment. Not today. <laughs> Definitely not a happy moment, but, you know, they've still got some time. You know, it's only 2-1 for them. They could turn the series around. Yeah, man, but Boston's got the last two. Both in overtime, so that's that's going to be a tough one for them to turn around. They're a good team, that Boston Bruins. It's definitely a scary position to be in. For sure, man. Well, talk about scary positions. It is Thursday today, and today marks the first time that the Montreal Canadiens will be playing the Toronto Maple Leafs in the Stanley Cup playoffs in 42 years, Kevin. I am not looking it's, forward to it. <laughs> we, we were chatting about this before, how, you know, 42 years ago, the Canadians swept the Maple Leafs, and you're sitting here like, oh, no, 42 years later, are we going to get the reverse? Uh, I'm hope, I'm over here, Matt, hoping for the Canadians. Hopefully they get some Ws, but it's a scary team, those Maple Leafs right now. Not only is it a scary team, but when you're not putting your best lineup forward, that's the thing that drives me the most insane. I mean, if you're a hockey fan and a Habs fan and you've watched Aristotle play his 23 games for the Canadians this season, he's been downright awful. He looks slow. He looks like he can't score, like he can't make a play. And even if you go back to his last 19 playoff games, the guy has two goals in that span where Kakanyemi, who is a third overall pick, who is 20 years old, who is supposed to be the future face of your franchise, is getting benched. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Or, you know, a generational goal-scoring prospect like Cole Caulfield, who, in his 10 games, led the Montreal Canadiens in goals during that time, he's going to sit. Like, it just... Or Romanov, who's our most mobile physical defenseman, you're going to sit him too? Like, it just, for guys who are older, because your GM went out and got them, like, it just doesn't make sense to me, man. It feels like they're playing it safe, like they have since the beginning of the season. It feels like they're playing not to lose. And if you know anything about sports, anything about competition, when you play not to lose, you lose. It's about winning. 100% 100% Matt the all I see right is the mentality of wanting to play the veterans for the playoff experience but like we are in anything but a normal year right now and they're sitting as you know the bottom team right now in this division for this playoffs and you're gonna sit 
you know, somebody who's come out recently and has been putting in work and potentially stop that. Cause like the kid could be on fire. You don't even know. And then what you're saying about KK, like it's unfortunate, Matt, to hear you as a diehard fan, see these issues and be like, why can't we do this? And it's just, you're never getting the answers you want to hear. Right. Man, unfortunately not. And the media does a good job of trying to explain it. They're saying that obviously it would be easier to take a veteran player out of the lineup if they're not performing well after one game and not destroy their confidence in their career. Whereas that could happen with a guy like Caulfield or Romanov or KK is that you play them in game one, you have to stick with them for the rest of the series where you can kind of shuffle the veterans in and out. But it just doesn't make sense to me, man. You want to win. The Leafs have owned them this year. You want to play your optimal lineup. You want to play your best players. Why are we going with second-rate players when we don't have to? It just doesn't make sense to me. It's unfortunate, but uh, hey, maybe this strategy will work out. Maybe in a couple hours they'll pull out a W, be sitting 1-0, and then you know the kids can come in for Game 2 and put in some work. The future is potentially bright for you? I, I don't know, man. I'm just hoping for positives here. Man, Twitter is on fire with Habs fans <laughs> wishing them to lose tonight. They're like, I want this organization to realize what a mistake they're making. Rah, rah, rah. It's like, okay, guys, I get it. I don't necessarily feel great about their decisions. I don't want to see them lose, especially not to the Leafs. Man, that's, that's the thing, right? Like, you finally get this matchup between these super old teams and you know, you want to be excited. You want banter to happen. But, you know, a fan base already turning against their organization. Like, oh, gosh, it's already going downhill. Before game one, man. Before game one. But that is what Toronto and Montreal fans are. When they're on top of the world, it's going to win a cup. And when they're not doing so well, it's burn the whole place down, fire everyone, and let's get new players. <laughs> Ain't that a fact, man. Canadian hockey rivalry at its core right there, dude. I love it. Honestly, I see Montreal probably taking one or two games in this series. I just think that they do have enough of a team that Toronto will probably have an off night and they might steal a game or two, but this is going to be an easy series for the Leafs, in my opinion. And uh, I'm just sad about it, man, because could you imagine being the, the team that gifts the Leafs their first playoff series in 15 years and you're their oh. biggest rivals? Come to on. Rub it in it, if they if they actually go the distance too, like oh big pain, man. I ho- hopefully it doesn't happen. Hopefully you get a sweet win tonight, man. Oh gosh, I'm sorry, dude. Oh Kevin, my life. Uh, okay, you want to move on, move past this Please. sadness, talk about a little positivity. Please get me out of here. All right, well basketball, Matt, we're here. We made it. The plans have been super exciting. The playoffs are literally around the corner. We'll, we'll deal with a couple of quick things first before we get excited because, Matt, this season, COVID put in some work. 30-plus games were postponed and canceled. I don't have the total numbers for the season of players, but there was a decent amount of players that missed games. And for me, Matt, all I'm thinking about is the future and how much positive effects or sorry, positive tests might affect these series because Adam Silver has come out. He said there's going to be no postponements, no delays. So if half your team has COVID and you don't have the number of players, you might just be forfeiting. So it's going to be a crazy playoff. But Matt, I'm just super excited. Man, I'm so excited for the postseason. A lot of the players are getting their vaccines because they're based in the United States. You know, they've been a lot better about that than we were up here in Canada. So a lot of them can get that Johnson & Johnson shot or the Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Moderna. We got all the vaccines. So maybe there won't be too many cases because that would be really sad to see. I mentioned it a few weeks ago, Matt, because I think 75% or so of the league is vaccinated. I'm happy to say I got my shot and I didn't pass out. It was actually a super smooth experience. So shout out to uh, Calgary and their decisions with the big convention center. Uh, I'm terrible with needles and I like to say that I was good and strong for the entire experience. Thank you, Allison, for supporting me. But back to basketball, yeah, I'm hoping there's nothing serious that's going to happen. I mean, Karis LeVert for the Pacers currently having to go into protocols, so that might affect them. But I mean, they seem to be doing all right so far without him. But yeah, we got to talk about Monty Williams. The first award that's been given out, I guess, has been revealed is that Monty Williams is Coach of the Year. Now, this Phoenix Suns team did what nobody thought was possible. They're sitting as the second seed. 
And Monty Williams, your reward as coach of the year is the Lakers in the first round. Oof. Brutal. Absolutely brutal, man. They got CP3 and Monty Williams reunited in Phoenix, having a spectacular season just to have them play the Lakers in the first round. Like, that, that's just unfortunate, my friend. Hopefully that Coach of the Year award uh, is going to help him out in his, his search for finding the answers because slowing down LeBron and AD, that's something that the Coach of the Year is going to have to figure out. That's it, right? It's a chance for both him and CP3 to prove themselves, to to prove to the league, really, that this season wasn't a fluke. And, I mean, I, I'm worried for the sense, like so many people are, of course, but, you know, we, we got to say congratulations. He really tur- he was a real big force for this team. I mean, the Suns were kind of always waiting for their moment to break out. Like, Devin Booker has the potential to be a Steph Curry-like player in this NBA with his abilities, and nobody fears him at all yet. And this is an opportunity for the Suns to come out, knock the Lakers out of the first round, and Monty Williams to be like, you know, we're a good team. Don't sleep on us. But, uh, Matt, we'll talk about it later, that both you and I do not believe that will happen. Yeah, man, that would be absolutely insane to see Phoenix come out and knock out the Lakers. But I'm definitely not holding my breath for that one. No, not at all. All right, shall we move into some of these awards? Because they're going to be coming out, you know, some some of them will sneak out, and there's going to be that big award show that the NBA does that so many people care about. But uh, Matt, shall we start with MVP? Because I think we're both on the same page here. Man, we've been saying it for a while. I like the season uh, CP3's had and Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry, if he had brought them into a top five seed, he'd potentially be the MVP. But it's Nikola Jokic, man. Come on. Start the finish. Agreed. I, I like the comment about Steph, though, because he has been doing crazy things. But, you know, Jokic kept this team in the running throughout the whole season. He was consistent. I mean... I think he's the double-double leader in the league. He, he should be. The only reason he's not the triple-double leader in the league is because Russell Westbrook exists. Like, this Nuggets team is good. And even with, you know, Jamal going down, he kept them afloat, and they're sitting as a three-seed, probably looking at the easiest first-round matchup in the West right now of all of the top seeds, Matt. Would you agree with that? Playing Portland is definitely not an easy task with Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum, but... I wouldn't want to be playing any of the other teams. I mean, the Lakers, Golden State Warriors, and Luka and Dallas all have that generational player that can take you to a championship. That's the thing. It's going to be wild in the West, Matt. Now, shall we move to MIP? Because it's been a weird race this season. There's been a lot of talents kind of showing up here and there. There's been tanking. And you want to start with your boy who you've been real happy seeing all season playing well. Last pick in the fantasy draft, the the man, the myth, the legend, Julius Randle. Got to give him a shout out. He went from all kind of an NBA contributor starting player to an all-star this year, man. Even a fringe MVP candidate. Nobody would have anticipated that. I want to also give out shout out to Christian Wood out in Houston. I know Houston sucked this year. But that man showed out big time. Um, but you can't take it away from Julius Randle, man. That guy just too nice. I mean, you've mentioned the the two front runners, in my opinion. Uh, I know there's been some conversation about Jeremy Grant playing really well, but I mean, that's the Pistons, whatever. But yeah, Randle's been fantastic. I I might give the nod to Christian Wood because you know while the Rockets have been absolutely irrelevant, he has been an absolute rock. And, you know, with all of the rotations of players here and there, with the season that they had, to have a stud like that who is able to going to be a a powerhouse for your franchise going forward, like, that's the one win I think the Rockets got this season, unfortunately, for them. Big win with him and uh, Porter Jr. uh, being on the same team. Like, that's going to be good for their team for years to come. Um, I want to compare stats here a little bit. I mean, 13 to 21 points for Christian Wood, 19 to 24, you could say is a bigger leap for Christian Wood. But I think what he's been doing on the rebounding and assist end, he jumped up his Randall, jumped up three assists and almost Mm -hmm. a full rebound and a half. Whereas Christian Wood kind of kept the same numbers. I mean, a little bit better in rebounding and um, 
just a slight uptick in assists. It's it's tight. I would say um, it could go either way. It depends on who you like and, and how you see the team. I think most NBA fans are going to lean with Randall because he did get them to a four seed in the East as opposed to the bottom in the West. But both are very deserving candidates, man. I, I honestly, after all of that, I, I do hope that Randall wins it because, you know, when you think about what he's done for this Knicks team, I mean, I'm super happy they made the fourth seed because I called it like six weeks ago that I believed they would do it. But Randall has brought the Knicks back into relevancy. And the fact that, Matt, I think it was you, I asked you at the beginning of the season, what would you do with Randall? And you were like, maybe you trade him at the top of his value. Crazy to think where the Knicks would be if they had have made, taken that advice, you know? Yeah, absolutely crazy. And you know what, man? I don't even know if I if I stand by the fact that that was the worst idea. Because um, if, if he just has this one magical season and then regresses back to who he is, you definitely right. wanted to capitalize on his value this year, but... Hey, man, it was a spectacular season. The guy's been all NBA for sure. Exactly. Anything is possible. Now, moving in to DPOY, Defensive Player of the Year. This has been a serious, controversial conversation recently, Matt, because most of the time this award goes to a big, someone who protects the paint, you know, that defender, that anchor for your team. And there's been a real conversation recently about whether this award might need to get split in half and whether we can give this award to a potential wing player, a guard player, and a big. Because I know, Matt, you're going to sit over there with Ben Simmons as your leader. And he is a player who is not going to ever be considered a big, even though he's, what, six foot nine, six foot ten? Well, six foot eleven almost. Exactly, right? But because of his position, the role that he plays, he's not going to be seen the same way as a Rudy Gobert, as a Giannis Antetokounmpo. But I still think that... Exactly, right? But he still is a type of player, a la OG Ananobi, a la Matisse Thybul, that is a wing player, is a smaller guard that could potentially win this award. So I just wanted to bring that up really quickly before you talk about Ben Simmons a little more. Well, man, I think Ben Simmons just locks up players. I would not want to be matched up against him if my task was to score. He is in people's face. He is one of the league leaders in steals. He is a monster at both ends of the floor i mean not so much the offensive end recently he's kind of been deferring but the guy's great on the defensive end man he makes you think he attacks the point of attack like he is guarding every other team's best point guard and best ball handler i mean he's lucky that he does have matisse seibel maybe that does contribute to it a little bit but i think he's got to be up there at least for defensive player of the year I completely agree. I don't even really want to you know, give out who I think might win it because I, I don't know if this award really stands for what it can be anymore. And I love the conversation that's being had about you know splitting it in half and potentially changing up who could get this award because defense is something that is so underappreciated in the league. And guys like Simmons, you know, the other guys that I've mentioned, are putting in the work at the same pace that a guy like Giannis, that a guy, you know, like what is happening with all of these bigs in the leagues could be doing and so i would love to see ben simmons win this award just to see how it could change it going on in the future yeah man it would be a pretty interesting uh take to see but man sixth man of the year i think that's between two guys on the same team don't you i mean it's it's funny because six man is another award that is also kind of controversial in the way and I was I was listening to a YouTuber who called it like the, not the six man of the year award. It's the who can put up the most points off the bench award. And while they're not entirely wrong, you know, you're right with a single team. I mean, I still want to give it to Clarkson because he has become such a pure scorer and, you know, an important piece in Utah's three point shooting. But at the end of the day, it's a weird award to give out. Yeah, man. And I honestly think you're right. Clarkson has been that that sniper for them all year off the bench and that offensive creator but in the last like 20 or so third uh 25 games or so Bojan Bogdanovic has really come on man he's had some like I think three 30 plus point games even a 48 point game in there and he's looked like unstoppable on the offensive end and I think he's kind of nudged himself into that conversation I would still give it to Clarkson personally but I think it's between the two of them it's the percentages for Bogey that gives him that, you know, reason to be a part of the conversation because they're both doing it. But 
I'm pretty sure that he's doing it a little bit better percentage-wise than Clarkson, but Clarkson has just been doing it all season with the numbers, and so, you know, it, it's going to come down to a popularity vote like it always does with the people, and at the end of the day, I think they're both pretty deserving of this award. Yeah, man, very deserving. I think you're exactly right. Uh, Bojan's got a little bit of better percentages, even though they average, I think, the exact same amount of points. Oh, no, Clarkson's got that 1.4 extra points per game, but yeah, man, both of them have been the reason that Utah is at the top of the table. I mean, besides their superstars in Conley, <laughs> Mitchell, and Gobert. Yeah, but the thing is, is you have to have the conversation about those role players, Matt. I mean, at the end of the day, superstars win championships, but they do not do it with bad teams. You need role players who understand what they have to do. And this Jazz team, the way they play their offense, they need to hit open shots, which means that the role players have to be willing to do it. And they're sitting here with two of the best open shot role-playing shooters that they've found, and that's why the Jazz are top of the table. Yeah, two of the best in the league, man. They kind of remind me of the Raptors squad back in like 2015-16 when we won the yeah. the first seed in the East and, and the second seed overall in the NBA, I believe. And, and we had nine players or so? Yeah, we're deep, deep squad where the whole bench unit is good. It should could be starting caliber players on a weaker NBA roster. We had all-stars, all-NBA players in DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, and it just kind of is a team functionality, but that's kind of what makes me really scared about them in the playoffs and makes me really kind of pull off them. That's, that's the thing, right? You know, they're, they're running down the same trajectory that we, we went in where it's like, you're going to do really good. all no problems. And then, sorry, Hey, LeBron is in your way on a path to a championship. And uh, the jazz may have avoided the Lakers, but at some point, unless another team can knock them out, they're going to have to deal with their demons and face LeBron probably. Nobody likes that man. Nobody no, likes him no. in the playoffs. <laughs> Not at all. Okay, shall we move to Rookie of the Year? Because obviously it's a single... I mean, it's not a single person race because Ant-Man has really proved himself and Lamelo has come back, but he didn't look great. But that's the play-in game, which, Matt, we still don't know where the play-in games are going to sit because in terms of historical significance they're not a regular season game they're not a playoff game so like tatum hitting 50 does it even matter will people even remember it but going back to Lamelo versus ant-man like i want to give it to Lamelo, but the injury man that's what takes it away from me absolutely man if he would have been the rookie of the year had he stayed healthy all year and had he continued to do what he did and i honestly believe charlotte would be in the playoffs today if he had but unfortunately injuries happen that wrist injury did uh, take away a part of his season. So now, I believe it's Ant Man. He really turned it on in the back half of the season. He had, I think, multiple forty-point games this year. Guys, I didn't think he was going to be good, but damn, this uh, draft class has really proved me wrong. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And also, like that last, like I think it's twelve to fifteen game stretch where Minnesota looked good, like actually good as a team to close out the season, like. We, I think we talked about it, Matt, in the draft last year, right before it was going to be happening, about how Ant-Man, once he figures it out, you know, it's going to be a potentially great serviceable piece, and that obviously happened for him, and with LaMelo, he came in ready to go, and is in a great situation, I think, to be successful, but that injury, it, it dropped that team, and they were afloat for a while, but with Hayward getting injured as well, like, they just, they didn't have enough against the Pacers, unfortunately. <sighs> What are you going to do? Exactly. Okay, before we talk about the plans and everything else, we're going to roll into Raptors chat early this week because our boys are gone. It's a little sad, but we do want to touch on some of the great moments that they had to close out the season. Because, you know, we took some L's, Matt, but there was some pretty awesome performances from some of our role players this week. Yeah, man. I mean, in three straight L's this week, not going to be too upset about it because we're tanking, and that's what I wanted. <laughs> but... It's nice to see a former former eighth overall pick in Stanley Johnson dropping 35, 10, and 5, and 24, 5, and 7 in another game. Our second round pick from this year dropping 31 points in a game. Malachi looking really good as a primary ball handler, handler with 25 plus and back to back. There was lots to like about the, the end of the season there. I mean, from a future perspective. Dude, that Bulls game scared me, though, because, like, we were losing, but, like, we started making a comeback in the fourth quarter. Like, Lori Markin was hitting shots, thankfully, 
to close us out, but like I was real worried that we were going to win that Bulls game and somehow flip, but thankfully the Bulls were better than us, quote-unquote, this week, and uh, we've locked up the seventh best odds going into the lottery, and it gets me excited, Matt. Seventh best odds at uh, at uh, Cape Cunningham. Uh, that's what I want. I'm, I would take Evan Mobley or Jalen Suggs, but hey, man, Cape Cunningham, that's the prize that we're all going for. What makes me happy, like the happiest about it, Matt, is that looking at this draft, it almost looks like a five, six, seven draft in terms of NBA talent. And knowing what we know about the Raptors and their ability to understand players and how they can fit into an organization, even if we do end up with the seventh pick, heck, even if we end up with the ninth pick, which please, please don't have us fall back that far, I think we would still find a really good serviceable piece. But... We are here looking for that generational talent that will push us over the edge because the Raptors can be there with that new piece back in Toronto. You know, they can step it back, but time will tell, unfortunately. Yeah, man. I mean, we could get a nice serviceable piece in the later half of the lottery. You're 100% right. They've got good scouting and, and good player assessment. The biggest issue with that is, is we have really solid players, OG and <laughs> yeah. Anobi. We have Pascal Siakam. We have Fred Van Vliet. You want to throw Gary Trent Jr. into that. I mean, we've got really solid pieces, but we're missing that LeBron James, that LaMelo Ball even, the Kawhi wow Lander. factor, the, the guy who's going to maybe potentially take your team and turn it into a championship team. We just don't have it yet, and that's what I think Cade Cunningham can do for us. So Cade Cunningham is who I want. Hey man, I'm with you all the way. We're on the same page. Matt, the shining star of the season was that we had the most 30-plus point single-game performances by multiple players in a season with 10 individual rappers reaching that. Good work, Stanley and Jalen getting that. Yeah. And my favorite part, Matt, was in that Pacers game, we played six guys to close out the season. Ken Birch, Bembry, Johnson, Flynn, Gillespie, and Baines. And might I say, Baines probably had his best game of the season with 14 points, 10 rebounds. But, like, oh. what a way to end the season, right? Everyone just chilling. I was sad to see Lowry on the bench for the final game, but then I realized that his last game was against the Lakers, where he had an absolute monster performance and shut them down, so I didn't feel as bad, you know? Yeah, man. He was he was saving it for a different time, you know? Um, I I liked his final press conference. Um, I, it doesn't give me a lot of confidence that he'll be back in a Toronto Raptors uniform next year, or maybe we can get a sign and trade going. I know the That's the hope now. Yeah, the destinations that he's looking at, they do have cap issues, so hopefully we can sign him to that big contract that he's looking for, and then a team can flip for him. We'll see how it all plays out. I mean, I watched that Maasai conference, and he's determined to get us home. But he also got super emotional when they were talking about how much he means to our franchise, which kind of feels like he might leave us. It pulls at your heartstrings. You know, if you are watching that Maasai interview, and he's talking about, you know, the trust and the love that he has from the players and the rest of the organization, and... It's it's hard because I was saying however long ago it was that Masai is the type of person that wants to reach for greater things and you know seeing this situation where he's getting so emotional you can't help but think that deep down he's already made a decision that you know he believes in what he's created he believes in the foundations and is going to move on like that's what we see and it's it's unfortunate but hey we'll always be you know, supporters of Masai, if he goes to Africa, wherever he ends up going, unless he goes to Boston, and then I'll be really upset. Um, but yeah, honestly, it's amazing to see the love from the entire organization together. And I really, really, really hope that we can get the boys back in Toronto next year, because it will not be a season worthwhile not being in Toronto, in my opinion. Yeah, man. I mean, Masai said it in his press conference. You rank the 30 teams and what they had to face adversity-wise. The Raptors are 30th. They had to face the most adversity in the NBA out of every team. They played 80 or 72 road games this year and didn't live in their own houses, didn't get to spend that much time with their families, had to relocate. Yeah. Bring us back to Toronto. We'll be fine. Last thing I want to say is shout-out to my boy Utah. 
I believed in him at the beginning of the season, and he had a really good uh, tribunal read, which I had a few weeks ago, but also he's recently come out and talked about how he's excited for the fans because he loved all the support he was getting online. And I'm sitting here like, oh, dude, you have no idea like the difference and how amazing it's going to be to actually get to the six, to be in the arena, to be supported. And that's all I want for the boys next season. Yeah, man, 100%. I want Utah in, in Toronto. He showed me something this year. Um, I'm glad that he can still take another step potentially in his development. Uh, we'll see how, what goes on, but glad to, glad to see him play well. I want the Raptors back in Toronto. That's it. Yeah, well, we'll the Raptors chat is going to be pretty sparse the next few weeks, obviously, with them missing the playoffs. Sad, unfortunately, but hey, anything we hear, we'll obviously be bringing up. You, you and me, Matt, we'll be chatting about this, obviously, thinking about what we can get, and Conspiracy man, once those theories. ping balls drop, oh, it's going to be good. Yeah, man. But back to the actual games, though. I know you wanted to start with Showdown Sunday, so I'll let you take that one. Well, I just want to bring up the fact that the NBA got what they wanted. You know, the final game of the season had like six different games with implications. Now, some of them smaller implications than others, but, you know, the Knicks locking up the fourth seed, the battle between the Jazz and the Suns for who can avoid the Lakers, which we're going to talk about eventually because it's probably going to affect these teams in the future. Like the fact that the Blazers were able to get to the sixth, a lot of games mattered and we got to have an exciting jam-packed day where every single team in the NBA played and I would say at least half of the games were important to watch and mattered. And that's what I think was exciting. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I want to bring it up. You know, amen to them. But otherwise, we can totally roll into these play-in games that happened. That, and I want to mention that the Clippers intentionally lost on the weekend (laughs) just to avoid the Lakers, which everybody's clowning them for. It might be a smart decision to just face them in the Western Conference Finals. Gives everybody the the Western Conference Finals that they wanted last year, but kind of looks... Little suspect to me. Whatever. Spoiler spoiler alert, Matt. They're not making it out of the second round in my predictions. But uh, ahead of myself, too far. Let's start with these play-in games, Matt. Should we start in the East? Because I think that's the game started in the East, and they were. I don't want to call them boring games, but they were not that exciting between these four teams. Well, man, Charlotte absolutely got obliterated by indiana like it was a wash from start to finish 144 to 117 you're right Lamelo ball did not look great miles bridges had a good game but they just didn't have enough eh i mean hayward was you know not playing because of that foot injury and the hornets you can tell have been battling with some issues but they're a good team, and you know, a couple years from now, if they can keep it together, they'll be in the playoffs. But yeah, the Pacers—they surprised everybody. Like, no Karis Levert, no problem. 144 points, poof, easy. Yeah, no, no Warner all season, no Miles Turner in this game, and they still get it done. Demontis Sabonis, man, he has really taken a leap for me this year. I think he's one of the better forwards in the NBA. I would say like top 15 forward in the NBA and it shows on a nightly basis. He might not put up the points, but he's always doing the other things. He's an assist man. He's a rebounder and it comes to show in these games, man. He really played well for that team and, and is their kind of like lead catalyst for it. I mean, he was one assist away from a triple double that night where he put up 21 rebounds. Like, if the Pacers are going to go through and make some noise and find their way in the playoffs, like, Sabonis, you're 100% the main reason why. Which is awesome for him. Going from one star player to another, Jason Tatum, buddy. He heard you say that the Boston Celtics weren't going to make the playoffs, and he said, yeah, right, Kevin. Watch me drop 50. 50 points! <sighs> He's so good, Matt. Like, I enjoyed watching this game. Now... Obviously, to flip to the other side of things, Beal's hamstring was not okay. Westbrook had a bad day. Just It just happened. And so, you know, Tatum had to drop that many points if you look at the stat line because Kemba had a very Fred Van Vliet kind of night. I think he went like 12 for 25, you know, put up 20 plus points, but didn't shoot well. And I'm pretty sure Marcus Smart just played defense the whole night. So the Celtics, you know, they needed that from Tatum and 
you could tell when Russ left the court early how upset he was at himself for not showing up. And that this is why I had to bring up Showdown Sunday because Westbrook didn't have a good game. Beal is injured. And because the Wizards won on Sunday, they are now having an opportunity to play another game instead of losing to the Pacers or the Hornets or whoever would have beaten them in this bad game. So pretty Fair. crazy. Man, I love how it's a bad game for Russell Westbrook when he drops 20 points, 14 rebounds, five <laughs> assists, and has yep. three steals and two blocks. Yeah, bad game. <laughs> yeah, it's But that's, you could tell there were moments watching that game where he was off. I mean, for sure. I think he had like four turnovers or something, and it, it just, it wasn't his game. And I, I want to bring up my favorite Russell Westbrook comment, like, I'm just running out there, like, Sometimes it looked like he was just running out there, but uh, Celtics, they proved me wrong. They get to go through, and uh, lucky them get to face the Nets. And uh, Pacers, they're going to have to deal with the Wizards team that, honestly, I think will be ready to bounce back, and it should be a very exciting game. Yeah, man, the day off in between is going to really, or the, yeah, the day off in between is going to really help the Wiz, but I, I don't know, man. I really like them Pacers. I just don't know if uh, Russell Westbrook has what it takes in those game-winning moments. He just overthinks it sometimes or tries to be too much of a hero. I feel bad for the guy because he's such a great player. Like, all-time amazing. I think he's probably my favorite player of all time. If you're not talking about, like, greatest player ever, like, just pure to watch, it's Westbrook. Well, especially a player that was, like, playing during your extreme fandom time right like of your generation but yeah it was unfortunate um matt if we could flip to the west um obviously the banger of the year happened last night but i want to start with the grizzly spurs game you know and matt a player that always makes us cry when we see him play jv jonas valanciunas 23 points 23 rebounds being an absolute stud and unfortunately having to beat his man DeRozan to keep himself alive in this tournament. Absolute stud, man. I said it to you before this show and I said it to you when we traded him that we were going to regret it. But if we had JV on our squad, on the rap squad, we would have been a top four seed in the East. Easy. Because that was our biggest issue all year is that we couldn't get that consistent rebounding. We couldn't get that consistent center play. And in big games for the past couple of years now, because he had some pretty stellar games in the play-in tournament last year in the bubble. This man, I'm a big JV fan and I miss him on our squad, but huge game for him. 23 and 23, that on 10 of 16 shooting, like, man, that's good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he had the double-double, like, in the first period. Maybe <laughs> He for sure had it before the first half, like, this team, the Grizzlies were ready. Like, unfortunately, DeRozan couldn't shoot, and Rudy Gay was trying to hit threes down the stretch mat to keep them alive, which was super impressive to see. But Dylan Brooks, the Canadian kid, was absolutely on fire. And the Grizzlies are going to go through. And, uh, man, I, I want to see them do well. I'd love to see more of this team in the playoffs. But, man, they have a tough road ahead of them. Yeah, man. It's something about DeMar in the playoffs. There's a mental block there. I love the guy, and I thought he had a fantastic regular season. Definitely deserved to be an all-star in the West, and it's why the Raptors got rid of him, man. There's something, there's that mental block in the playoffs. I mean, 5 of 21, for a guy who's so efficient at what he does, he didn't take a three. It's not like he was shooting shots that he doesn't normally shoot. It's just some kind of mentality. It sucks That's to see. Thing. It's unfortunate, you know, that his season ends this way, but Matt... I got to talk about this game last night. The game of the year. Everything that Adam Silver wanted when they were coming up with the idea of the play-in. LeBron James versus Steph Curry. Winner takes all to get it into the playoffs. Oh my, Matt. What an absolute banger of a game. Dude. Um, that was unreal. So happy it happened. Golden State. They came out swinging, looking to just take it to the Lakers. But LeBron not being fully healthy, AD not being fully on, reach into their bag, and they pulled it out in the second half, man. Just wild. 100%. Like, Warriors had him in the first half. Like, 
Wiggins was like, you wanted to trade me? You didn't want to play with me, LeBron? Well, here I am now with Steph. I'm going to take you down. Like, it the was defense. crazy. What? Like, I, I was watching this game. Like, I was glued to my TV pretty much watching this. And I honestly, there was a point where the Warriors were up by, like, maybe 12 points or so in, like, the second. And I was like, dang, I think they can do it. And with the way Curry closed the half with that shot, you're sitting there and you're like, oh, my gosh. Curry's going to put up 50, and they're going to pull it out, and LeBron's going to lose. But that plot armor, Matt, like, man can get poked in the eye. Dude can be seeing three rims no matter what. <sighs> what a game winner from LeBron. An absolute hero three to cap up a 20-point triple-double from the man. Oh, buddy, what a finish. I think uh, Kendrick Perkins tweeted it best last night. LeBron James had a C-plus performance for himself and still dropped <laughs> yeah. a triple-double. Yeah, the guy is my goat. I've argued it before, and I'll argue it again on the show. And he pulled it out at the last second, man, falling away thirty plus feet with Steph Curry whispering in his ear, and he's just bang, got it. Their banter, like back and forth between them through the whole game, was so good. Like this is the historic rivalry that, unfortunately, through injuries the past few seasons, we have been, you know not been able to see to its full extent. And, I mean, I was talking to you about how, you know, if Clay Thompson is around, how completely different this could be. And, you know, Lakers were tested yesterday. They were tested, and, you know, they, they got their prize, the chance to get to face the Suns, avoid the Clippers, you know. It's going to be really interesting, but, man, LeBron, you... If he wins a championship this year, that shot will go down as one of his most amazing best shot ever. And, like, the classic... I see three rims. Like, just put that in the books for another one for LeBron, you know? Man, absolutely. And I'm going to say uh, maybe a hot take here a little bit early, but Steph Curry, second best player of our generation. I don't care KD. I don't care Kobe. It's LeBron and then Steph. That's it. Just the way that he can figure out how to play, because, like, obviously Clay Thompson is one of the best, probably the best spot-up shooter that we've seen in our generation and it exists, but right now what Steph is doing with the team that he has, the routes that he's running, like the man is a marathon runner out there in these games while still putting up unreal shots. Like you got it on the money, Matt. He is the best shooter that I've ever seen play the game and is probably the second best player. Dude, when he took over the game, it was dribble, dribble, dribble in your face, pull up from the three-point line. Guys were just like, oh, you're going to try and get to the basket. And he's like, no, I'm going to just hit it in your face. Everybody knows what he's going to do, and he just like, I'm going to run this route, run this route, run this route. Oh, I'm going to get a little bit of space. Jack that up. Oh, nailed it. Like, that halftime buzzer beater, I just, he's like slithering through like a snake, and it's just, how does he even jack it up in time? Oh, he's a he's a mythical creature, man. I really hope that they beat the Grizz to get into that playing series, because they might be able to do some damage against Utah. This is, this is the thing. I'm watching the end of the game where, you know, Steph is realizing that LeBron just hit a curry in his face. And then, you know, they get together at the end of the game. And I hope that one of them is just like, you'll see you in the finals, bro. Because this matchup is legendary. And I want to see more Steph versus LeBron. And unfortunately, I think that's probably the last of this year that we're going to get it. And man, hopefully both of these guys can keep playing and stay healthy for the next few years and have their teams be competitors in the West because I do not want this to be the last time we see these two giants face off against each other. I said it before the game to Marissa, most important game of the season, most intense game of the season is happening tonight. Even if NBA Finals go to Game 7, last night was so intense and crucial. It just had the feeling of a Game 7 NBA Finals. Matt, the fact that um, I think it was the Celtics-Wizards game before it was the most watched game on TNT of the season since like the opening tip of the season. I can't wait to see the numbers from yesterday because there were millions of people watching that playoff matchup. Well, yeah. play-in matchup, not even playoff matchup. Like, crazy. Yeah, man, but that's what made it so great, man. Winner gets in. Loved it. Loved it. All right, shall we move into these playoffs, talk about some predictions, and go through the matchups real quick before we try to see if we've got some good predictions at the end of today? Yeah, man. I mean, we could talk about some of the matchups. I mean, let's start in the East. Um, I'm going to go through my first round pretty quick because I think 
though it's going to be a lot tougher than in previous years, you know, normally it's four nothing sweeps across the board. Um, mm-hmm. Philly's going to take an easy dub against the Indiana Pacers, who, spoiler alert, they're going to beat uh, Washington to sneak in, in my opinion. Uh, Brooklyn probably going to take out Boston. I think it's going to be a lot more competitive than people think. Uh, Jason Tatum is way too good, and the Nets don't play defense. Um, Milwaukee had trouble with Miami last year, not the same roster. Bam's probably going to slow down Giannis, so I got them taking it in six. And then I got the Knicks taking out Atlanta in six as well. We have the same four teams moving through. I mean, obviously, if you look at Philadelphia, Embiid is ready. And, I mean, Seth Curry, best shooter, right? Like, they're going to go through Wizards-Pacers. It doesn't really matter. I'm calling five games. The Knicks and the Hawks series is my personal favorite to look at because, obviously, go Knicks, you captured home court for me. But Randall's a stud. This is Trey's first playoff test. And, you know, if the Hawks can get over the injury bug that they've been dealing with, they might be able to take the Knicks. But I don't see it, man. Seven games, Knicks are going through. You know, looking at that Nets and Celtics series, you're right. Tatum might make some moves, but 4-2 Nets in my opinion. And then unless the Heat can somehow pull on their magic from last year, I mean, we were talking before, Matt, they're really going to miss Jay Crowder. Like, and I think Holiday is going to be able to shut down the Heat's shooters much better than, you know, what the Bucs were able to do last year. And I'm calling it in five games, Bucs are going through. And the Heat, unfortunately, they're going to have to figure it out and reset for next year. Yeah, man. Definitely going to have to reset for next year. They still got Jimmy, though. Anyways. Well, I mean, and, J- and Jimmy's great, so he'll have counts. But moving into the second round of the East, Matt, I'm looking at that 76ers-Knicks series, and I feel bad for the Knicks because Embiid is going to absolutely feast on them. I don't see how anybody is going to... Like, Simmons is probably going to guard Randall, and, like, it's going to shut him down huge. So 4-1 Sixers, in my opinion. Oh, that's pretty impressive, man. I got them sweeping. <laughs> I love it. Hey, I I, I want to give the Knicks at least one win because I want to have some positivity in the second round, but uh, you might be right, my friend. <laughs> yeah, man. But then you got to move on to that Milwaukee-Brooklyn series, which should be a banger. I mean, last time they, they had their little mini-series, it was quite entertaining. Giannis and Durant going back at each other. It's going to be a tight one, but I got Milwaukee coming out in seven. Man, I'm with you. I've got the Bucks in six because I think the mental boom of beating the Heat will give them a massive advantage. And unless KD, Harden, and Kyrie can make it happen, which, I mean, heck, they could totally do it. And we could be massively wrong. The defense is what worries me. And when you have Giannis and you may not play the best defense, oh gosh, that's going to be a scary, you know, opposition to deal with. 100%, man. Then it's going to bring us to the Eastern Conference Finals of Philadelphia versus Milwaukee. You got the Giant and Embiid versus the Giant and Giannis. I still got Giannis, though, taking him out 4-3 to get to that NBA Finals. Finally breaking through. I'm with you. I've got it in seven games. For me, Matt, it's the testing that the Bucks will have to go through. You know, to walk through a Celtics, or sorry, to walk through a Heat team and then a Nets team to face the 76ers, whereas Philly will have gone through Wizards, Pacers, and then Knicks. Like, uh, I'm worried that Philadelphia isn't going to be ready. The Bucks are going to come out early and strong and take enough wins early on in the seven-game series to be able to close out in that final Game 7 at Philadelphia, which will be insane. Yeah, absolutely a great time. That brings us to the Western Conference, man. I think this is the first time that I can really remember that a 7 or 8 seed could be picked and has legitimate reason to be picked. But I still got Utah taking out Golden State. Um, LA is probably going to beat Phoenix as much of a great season as they had both in six games. And then I've got the two other series going seven, man. Denver just slightly nudges out Portland. The Yokers too much for Dame Lillard. And I have Luka Magic finally taking what should have been his last year against the Clippers and knocking those guys out. Man, I'm going to, I'm going to start with that series is the, the things that I want to talk about because Clippers-Mavs is going to be the most exciting first-round matchup in the West. Like, obviously, every round is going to be exciting. But if Luka can show up, if Porzingis can play, the Mavs look pretty good, and the Clippers are still trying to figure out some of their woes. Obviously, playoff Rondo is going to be a big factor in what's going to happen. But I think the series could go either way. I'm going to say the Clippers are going to come out because 
you know, I just I have a lot of confidence in Kawhi, and Paul George has proved himself this season. So first round, if they lose, oh, that would be awful for them. So I'm going to pull the Clippers out. I look at Jazz against the Warriors or the Grizzlies. I mean, Steph Curry might be able to do it, but the Jazz are the greatest shooting team this season, and Steph Curry may be the best shooter, but I don't think he can compete with that. And then looking at Suns-Lakers, like, I feel so bad for the Suns, and this is obviously an opportunity for them to prove themselves, but the Lakers are going through. This is why I'm at all season. I was fighting for the Suns to get the first seed, and unfortunately, they can't do it. Nuggets-Blazers, unfortunately, the Blazers won't have enough. I want to root for Norman, though, so hopefully Norman Powell has a great series, but, uh, man, the Jokic is going to pull them through, no problems. Yeah, man, easily, which will probably take us to a Utah-Dallas series and a Denver-Dallas, or a Denver-LA series. Oh, just by the way, uh, 5.6 million viewers on uh, ESPN, oh, man. the largest there NBA is. audience since 2019 for that game last night. Just, just Are we out. surprised? Are we surprised, Matt? Not at all. No, no, man. I would have I would have put it at higher, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, but rolling back to this series, I'm going to start with um, the Jazz games because you have Mavs, I have Clippers. Either way, I'm confident in the Jazz team. I think after going through the first round, they're going to have figured out their playoff woes, what they need, and I just don't, I don't like the Clippers this year, Matt. I haven't seen enough from them. Their injuries bug me. Ibaka hasn't looked great since his injury halfway through the season, and I see the Jazz going through, man. It's just, I want to see them in the finals to lose to the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, man. I got Utah squeaking by Dallas in a 4-2 series to get get to the Lakers in that Western Conference Finals, because you know, Jamal Murray was enough last wasn't enough last year with the with the Denver Nuggets to oust the LA Lakers. And I don't think not having him this year is gonna be any more beneficial. Lakers in six as well. I like that thought process. I've got Lakers in seven only because I don't know how you stop Jokic. Like I think AD is great and his defense is fantastic, but the mind games that are gonna be played if Jokic is playing against AD and then if he's playing against their centers, like He's going to put in work, but they're going to severely miss Jamal. Like, I, I just don't see the Nuggets having enough, unfortunately. Just unfortunate for them. But I'll set up a nice Western Conference Finals between Utah and the Lakers, where I still got the Lakers taking it. I've got a seven seed making it all the way to the NBA Finals. Got to be unheard of. Got to be fun, though. It definitely is. I think this series will be fun. And, you know, I remember last season, Matt, when we were talking about the Lakers, early on I said – if Anthony Davis can be proven, can show himself that he's ready, the Lakers will go all the way. And I'm looking at this team who will have fought through the Suns, will have fought through the Nuggets, and are then facing a Jazz team who is strong, but is a three-point shooting team and could live or die by that. And I just see LeBron's plot armor pulling him all the way to the finals again. Yeah, man, but that's where it stops for me. I got Giannis <laughs> coming through. Being the king over the king and taking the crown this year. Yanni and the Milwaukee Bucks in six. Yeah, I'm totally going to preface this by saying I'm totally fine with being LeBron, being wrong <laughs> by not picking LeBron because the Lakers are going to be tired at this point. And the Bucks will have gone through the Celtic, or sorry, the Heat, the Nets, and the 76ers on their way to a championship. Like, Giannis may be snubbed for MVP this year, but he's going to get that finals MVP. And I really want to see the Bucks sitting on top as the champions, especially considering that, you know, Giannis has signed his contract, so he's not coming to Toronto. So we may as well root for him to get a championship, right? 100%, man. May as well root for it. <laughs> oh, Perfect. Man. Well, that's going to wrap it up, dude. That's that's our predictions. That's it. I'm, I think it's going to be crazy exciting. Uh, playoffs are around the corner. We're going to talk about it week in week. Uh, you want to throw us out with something spicy? Well, I'm just going to double down, man, and say Pacers are winning tomorrow night, or tonight, and they're going to get that dub over Washington for the play-in uh, series and going to get that eight seed. All right, I love it. Okay, my spice, I don't want to call it a winner or a loser because the, the Warriors are going to win their game, but I'm looking for John Morant to drop 40 and battle with Steph. Unfortunately for the Grizz, it just won't be enough. Kid called himself a top five uh, point guard in the NBA, so got to prove it. He's he's got the mentality, but you you're going up against a point, a true point god. You got to prove it now. So we'll see what happens, eh, Matt? Actual point god. Yeah, we'll see what happens.
Awesome. Anything else, my dude? No, man, you're good to wrap us up. Beautiful. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. You can check out more from us at theboardsports.net for new episodes and blog posts. Like and subscribe if you're listening from YouTube. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. And we'll talk to you next time.